Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latinx culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Hello, Charlie. Howdy, Nate. What's up? Well, I was going through our fan mail. As you know, it's it's copious. It, it basically fills up my entire apartment and, <laughs> and inbox. I'm just kind of wading through it. You do have a small apartment. <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, and one email recently stood out. What was that? This was a letter from someone right here in New York City named Drew Cutler. Cool. Hey, Drew. And Drew wanted to ask us about a musical phenomenon that we've touched on before, and I thought, uh, given this note, it's a perfect opportunity to get deeper into a subtle secret trick that songwriters, composers uh, use to give pop songs that extra oomph and really pull at our emotional heartstrings. Wait, 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 are we going to open up the secret bag of tricks? We, we, are, we are exposing the magician's secrets because today we are going to talk about the dark art of modulation. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. So Charlie, I am totally on board. Let's talk about modulation in pop music. Now this is something that has come up, right, when we've discussed, let's see, uh, One Direction. Taylor Swift. Even our old friends, the Backstreet Boys. Definitely. But what is modulation exactly, and, and maybe more importantly, how does this subtle musical technique affect our experience of listening to music? Yeah, I bet most people would be surprised that what sounds like something which is, I don't know, spontaneous creativity is actually 
uh, like intentional conniving composition to play with your emotions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's definitely uh, maybe an accidental improvisational component to to writing a great pop song. But then there are also these very deliberate tricks that you can pull out when you know you need to take it to the next level. Yeah, the accident is when you like you, you play the wrong note and then you just keep going with it. But the uh, the modulation, you definitely do that on purpose. Yeah. So we're dropping the M bomb all over the place. What <laughs> is a modulation. Uh, our, our new friend Drew Cutler has a really beautiful way of, of kind of introducing exactly what this technique is. In order to really understand what modulation is, we have to fundamentally understand what key is. And I have a simple analogy for breaking this down. Let's imagine that you live in an apartment. This is easy to imagine because many of us do. And right next door to your apartment is your neighbor. And you know that that apartment has the same identical floor plan as your apartment. And let's imagine that this is a building that contains exactly 12 apartments. And rather than door numbers, you guys are named letters. Your apartment, for example, is C. So you're hanging out at your apartment, you're sitting on the couch, you're eating Funyuns, and you decide to go and hang out with your neighbor. So you leave your apartment, you walk next door to your neighbor's apartment, which is not C, but C sharp. Immediately, it feels different. Even though they might have the exact same floor plan as you do, they've painted the walls differently. They have a different rug. It feels different. This is the key of C sharp. Let's imagine this one step further, and we knock on yet another neighbor's door. This feels even more distant. This is the key of D, right? Now, just to illustrate this, because to the untrained ear, it, it might sound like you're still in the same apartment, but I want to show you how far we've come. So in order to illustrate this, I'm going to head back to our apartment and open the door. Now, that's C. And I'm going to run all the way down the hall, as far as I can go, to the most distant apartment, the apartment of F-sharp. I'm going to open this door at the exact same time. Do you feel that? Do you see how dissonant that is? Do you understand how far those apartments are apart? Pretty cool, huh? The concept of modulation is really simple. It's just how songwriters move from one apartment to another. But the beauty and the power is why they did it and how they got there. I love this analogy because the idea that musical keys are different apartments with the same floor plan and just a slightly different color scheme, I think that really captures what's going on here. Yeah, it's it's I, I like uh, walking from from door to door. It's like trick or treating. <laughs> Do you know um, when I went trick or treating as a kid growing up in Manhattan, I never left my apartment building. <laughs> oh my gosh, you must have racked it in. You have like a huge apartment building. Yeah, I would just go from floor from the second floor to the thirty sixth floor. You know, apartments A to K on each, and man, I cleaned up. 
and I never had to leave, the, never had to step outside. Wait, are you like those werewolf children? Like you've actually never been outside? Uh, I've I've seen I've seen uh, pictures of the of the sky and and of clouds, but no, I've never seen them in real life. I don't think anyone has has have they? Okay, just just cough three times if you're being held illegally in an apartment <laughs> in New York City. This is yeah. I'm, I'm seeing there's Morse code throughout this podcast. <laughs> rescue me. Um, what were we talking about, Charlie? Uh, modulation. Halloween, right. Modulation. We were talking about modulation, and I feel like at this point we should probably explain what it is we're talking about. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And maybe the best way is just to, to first listen to a, a classic modulation. Um, I think one of one of the great titans of, of the art of modulation is also one of my favorite musicians ever, Mr. Steve Lind Morris, a.k.a. Stevie Wonder. Ooh, Stevie. What do you got? Well, what, what, what do you think? Should we do Knock Me Off My Feet, uh, Please Don't Go, or uh, Golden Lady? Take your pick. Oh, well, we should definitely do Knocks Me Off My Feet. Good choice. <laughs> so smooth. So smooth. The song is amazing. Okay, what just happened? <laughs> so what happened there? I mean, besides my heart leaping up into my chest, um, <laughs> what Stevie Wonder did essentially was take us, following Drew Cutler's analogy, into another apartment. Okay, I like it. And again, it's like, even if you can't put your finger on it, I think you feel that something just happened there, right? Something like, something changed. Yes. We just we just increased the intensity, uh, increased kind of the, the, the brightness and the vibrancy of it because we raised the key. We modulated higher. Right. So can you just like play that out for me? How did that happen? Yeah, totally. I mean, first, let's listen to how that chorus sounded earlier in the song before the modulation. Right. And now let's play that modulated up part. And the difference is palpable, right? Yeah, we're in a whole new territory. And the way Stevie gets from point A to point B, from, from one apartment to the other, so to speak, is by the use of what's called a pivot chord. A chord that is shared by both of those keys, and that is how that is kind of the root that takes you from one to the other. Right. Will you play it out for me? Yes. Pivot chord. Beautiful. And now you see we're in this we're in this new territory. It's higher. It's more kind of dramatic, and and it's just taken this song to a whole new level. Literally, it's the it's the prettier apartment next door. Yeah. <laughs> But again, everything is the same. We're hearing the exact same chord changes, the exact same instrumentation, the exact same lyrics. We're just in a slightly higher key, and that makes a world of difference. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And this is fundamentally different from changing chords. Yeah. 
you, you can still stay in the same key in, and, and change chords. Uh, maybe in this analogy, you could still be in your apartment and, and moving from one room to another, but yeah, you're sure. still staying in the same apartment. Yeah. Uh, this is this modulation is extreme because you're really you're moving from one apartment to the other. Got it. Okay. Right. Yeah. So if we have a firmer grasp of this subtle art of modulation, maybe we can better understand how pop songs are able to work our emotions. And there are different ways, I think, that modulations can be deployed. In fact, Drew Cutler came up with a few categories of his own. Okay. The first of which is probably the most common kind, when you modulate up to a higher key at the very end of a song, and we're going to call that... The diva modulation. The diva modulation. <laughs> yeah. The diva or or the devo modulation diva in the case of someone like Stevie Wonder. For sure. But this is definitely the kind of modulation that we might associate with singers with like, you know, like powerhouse female singers like Beyonce, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. Yeah. Uh, because in some ways this modulation is less about songwriting and more about performance. It's about showing off. It's about taking your vocals to kind of a pyrotechnic level because as the key gets higher and higher, your voice gets higher and higher and it's more and more challenging to sing. Wait, I do this all the time. Why did you leave me off the list? (laughs) I don't know if the world can handle what you've got, Charlie. (laughs) Do you you have a finger wag in there? Tell me you have a finger wag. Um, is your cat <laughs> sick? Is is everything okay? Really sick. Very, very sick. Yeah, that was really that sounds, that doesn't sound good. So the diva modulation is almost kind of this athletic, highly performative, even showing off kind of effect. And there's no better example than Beyonce's love on top. Yes, take me there. get to the end of this incredible song from 2011 as Beyonce sings the chorus you put my love on top every time she sings love on top we actually move almost as though you feel that the top shifting upward She's going to in, to modulate higher and higher and higher. And every time as we hear her vocals, they get more and more intense and impressive and, and florid. She keeps topping herself. She keeps topping herself. So as we move from, again, apartment to apartment, so to speak, uh, it kind of becomes more and more dazzling. Right. So basically she's showing off how she can sing higher and higher and higher every time she modulates up and up and up. Yeah. If we're going, if we're in, a, in an apartment building taking the elevator higher and higher, you know, the view gets kind of more and more stunning <laughs> as we go up. One of my favorite things on YouTube is somebody took the video of Beyonce's Love on Top and then... I think in the actual song, it modulates, I don't know, like five or six times, but they modulate it like 14 or 15 times and making it higher and higher and higher and higher and to the point where it's like total chipmunk soul, the stuff we talked about on our last episode. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. That's hysterical. 
Right. And, you know, this is a technique that can be uh, lampooned because in some ways it is very familiar now and and somewhat uh, predictable and a little cookie cutter. It takes uh, an artist with the the kind of uh, bravura and sensitivity of Beyonce to really keep this technique fresh. Yes. To be clear, I actually think that this is probably a perfect pop song. <laughs> it is really good, isn't it? Nothing gets me more excited than Love on Top. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad we could indulge you today, Charlie. In doing this at the end of Love on Top, though, Beyonce is part of a much longer lineage of female divas using modulations, these diva modulations, to take their vocals to the next level. Yeah. Uh, and probably ground zero for this would be the iconic song by Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. You want to get a taste of that modulation, Charlie? Give it to me. All right. You have all you dreamed of. Also so smooth. As smooth as butter. Unsalted. Oh, Whitney. Is that the end? No. Psych. And I <laughs> oh, man. I mean, chills. Charlie, chills. Oh, my God. That's so high. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just passed out. Goose, goosebumps. <laughs> Wait, so is that some that's a modulation there? Yeah. I I almost can't tell. It's so well done. It's very subtle, and yet it allows Whitney Houston to show off her insane stratospheric range. Oh, beautiful thing. I mean the note she's hitting, these are the equivalent of like these are like the vocal equivalent of of Usain Bolt like track <laughs> records. I mean these this is crazy stuff she's doing. Wow. And and it's worth mentioning quickly, not like a classical masters level diversion, yeah. but you know, this has long roots going back to the operatic tradition where uh, divas would show off their, their coloratura huh. or their, their upper range. So this is, you know, again, as everything, uh, just a 20th or 21st century manifestation of a very old technique. You got to show off those pipes. Exactly. Okay, so we got the diva modulation. What else we got? Well, Drew Cutler has identified maybe another type of modulation that he calls the cathartic modulation. And I think this is an important distinction because it does feel fundamentally different from the diva modulation. Uh, This isn't just about showing off one's vocal range and ratcheting up the tension. This is about having a modulation occur at sort of uh, a key climactic moment of of the song, lyrically speaking. Oh, okay. And it's really hard to come up with a better example than this, uh, than one from the king of pop himself, Michael Jackson and the man in the mirror. mirror. 
I see what he did there. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Can we rewind that back one more time, Sir yeah, Charles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, this is like, oh, you could you could make a songwriting masterclass out of this moment. So good. <laughs> we need that catharsis. Right, because where does this modulation occur exactly, Charlie? When he says, make a change. <laughs> I mean, that's good stuff. Ooh, wait a minute. We've talked about this. Text painting. Text painting. Ooh, text painting through the modulation. Yeah, man. That's good stuff. Brilliant. Well done. So that is just a stunning moment. And we can feel it's it's different than the diva modulation, right? This is like a very calculated moment in the song where the modulation actually supports the lyrical message, in this case of making a... Change. Nate, I don't know if I can manage any more change. <laughs> we're, we're just playing with my emotions. <laughs> we've got one more for you, Charlie. Are you with me? Uh, I don't know. Because we've heard the diva modulation. Yeah. We've heard the cathartic modulation. Check. But there's one more. Maybe, maybe the one where songwriters have to reach deepest into their bag of tricks. The most complex, the most mysterious, and perhaps also the most manipulative kind of modulation coming up after a short break. No! Stop playing with my heart. (laughs) Okay. Check in with the man in the mirror until then, okay? Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Welcome back to Switched on Pop. So far, we've heard Beyonce and Whitney Houston take us up and up with their diva modulations. And Michael Jackson changed the world with his cathartic modulation. But there's one more kind of modulation that Drew Cutler has identified. And it might be the most subtle one of all. Is it, is it hiding right behind me? So, he's, so this is the storytelling modulation. And 
Unlike the other ones, which occur towards the end of the song, kind of at these climactic moments, no. this is maybe a more subtle use of modulation because it can happen throughout the song. Just so you know, I am taking notes as the like supposed songwriter here. <laughs> uh, I, I, I figure I ought to be using these techniques because I really don't modulate very frequently in my own songs. Yeah, you're going to emerge from this with, uh, with a, a, an ironclad, bulletproof, gold standard pop song. Okay, so how do I make one of these more narrative choices in modulation. Well, maybe we should start uh, with a kind of a, a gentle example from uh, someone I know you're very fond of, Sir Paul McCartney. Ooh, Paul. Let's listen to Penny Lane. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs Of every head he's had the pleasure to know And all the people come and go Stop and say I've never noticed there's a modulation in this song. It's so smooth. It's so smooth. So, so far in the verse here, yeah. we're in one apartment. This is apartment B, because we're in the key of B. And now the chorus should be in the same key, except... What happens here? Is that a modulation? We just moved apartments. Really? And we move down to apartment A. It's so subtle. Yeah. It's so good. And this is literally, like the lyrics of the song say, very strange. <laughs> because oh. this is, first in general, a weird move to modulate from the verse to the chorus. Right. And then specifically, every modulation we've seen so far has been upwards, right? Yeah, right. This one steps down from B to A. That's lower. Huh. So this is a very odd thing. And Charlie, I, I mean, I have to I have to ask, why do you think Paul, Sir Paul, is deploying a harmonic modulation between the verse and the chorus of this song? Okay, so if this is a storytelling modulation, I figure I probably have to go to the lyrics, so I'm gonna pull those up. And you mean you don't you ha you don't have all this memorized? I don't not good at remembering lyrics. I can't remember my own. Me neither. Actually, I think wasn't that a, a famous Beatles thing that they didn't know how to read music? And I think when Paul asked John what's gonna happen if we forget our songs, John said, like, well, then they're probably not very good, are they? <laughs> so maybe that just means none of my songs are good. I can't remember my own lyrics. Oh, I love that. I haven't heard that, but that is very good. <laughs> what the heck is this song even about? I mean, it's about Penny Lane, which is a, a street in Liverpool. There's a barber showing photographs. People come and say hello. Okay, I'm looking at the lyrics and I have no idea what's going on because this okay. is like Sergeant Pepper's when they're all like <laughs> in a whole nother universe plane of consciousness. That's right. This is the B-side to Strawberry Fields, which uh, the, 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 the single that just preceded Sergeant Pepper. So yeah, this is where things are start to, about to get psychedelic. Wait a minute. Are we not on Sergeant Pepper? No, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields were singles that were released in advance of Sergeant Pepper. And were then later on Magical Mystery Tour. Oh boy. Oh my gosh, my Beatles knowledge. Well, you've read like 17 Beatles biographies. Uh, no, I've just read one, but it was a thousand pages long. So. <laughs> so this is like the weird, like tripped out Beatles era. I honestly cannot even figure out what's going on in these lyrics. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm, I won't, and I won't dare to say that I have the uh, definitive interpretation here. But I'll simply note that here the storytelling modulation serves to reinforce a shift from third person to first person. 
where the the verse is sort of this third person description of of what is happening in the world of Penny Lane, and then the chorus kind of shifts to uh, to the internal first person uh, describing this more kind of uh, emotional, visceral state of the narrator. Oh, okay, yeah. So like the weird, trippy stuff in the verse is the like. In Penny Lane, there's a fireman with an hourglass, and in his pocket is a portrait of the queen. I, I don't get it. But then it shifts to the first person in the chorus. Penny Lane is in my ears and in my eyes. There beneath the blue suburban skies, I sit and meanwhile back. And so when he says meanwhile back, then it takes us to the verse and modulates again. Yeah, that's true. So every time he says very strange, it cues a modulation oh. to the chorus. Yep. Very At the end of the chorus, he says, meanwhile, I, cues a modulation back to the verse. No, he says, meanwhile, back. Meanwhile, back. Meanwhile, back. So these modulations support the strangeness of the lyrical form. Right, and kind of oscillating between these two uh, emotional states, I guess, or these these two narrative perspectives. Maybe states of consciousness. Paul, Whoa, what are you doing? Yeah. What's, what's going on? Charlie, let me hit that, man. Don't... <laughs> Don't bogart that. But Drew Cutler pointed out uh, kind of an even juicier example. And, and this one this one I love because like Penny Lane, honestly, I never realized that this song uh, modulates, that this song is kind of a textbook storytelling modulation. This is Walk the Line by Johnny Cash. I love that twang. So good. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine, I walk the line So far, everything is very normal. Totally normal. Ooh, wait a minute. Do you hear him humming? Yes. We just modulated, Charlie. So, in that modulation, I... That was the thing I had never noticed in the song before. He hums, and it's almost like he's he's singing the note to himself so that he makes sure that he hits the right note in the modulation. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think you're probably right. Most country songs don't modulate, so maybe he's not used to modulations and he's got to catch his own note. That's I think that's entirely possible. I would definitely have to do it because it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, this is moving around a lot. What's it doing? Well, it's moving um, in a very... Part of the reason it's so subtle is that he's... Remember we were talking about pivot chords earlier? Yeah. When he gets to the end of each of these choruses, he uses the last chord as a pivot chord to take us to a new key. Okay, but you're going to have to totally tell me what it is you're talking about. Okay, cool. Let, let, me, let me see if I can, I, I can do this real quick, actually. So we get to the end of this first chorus, which starts in the key of E... Apartment E. Yeah. And uh, and then we get to the end and we're on this E chord. And then if I just make one small change, if I turn this E major chord into an E7 chord, all of a sudden we've turned our home key into a very unstable chord. In fact, it's a chord that wants to go to a new key. Oh. It wants to move to a new apartment, <laughs> apartment A. And indeed, that's where we head next. So then the next chorus is in this new key, this new apartment, apartment A. I find it very, very easy to be true. I find myself... This uh, this song has a a real estate fetish. 
<laughs> or, our, or our analysis does at least. <laughs> and that's going to happen again. We get to the end of the second chorus, takes the, the home chord, makes it unstable, which in turn pivots us to a new key. Yeah. And then this goes around until eventually we come back by the last chorus to the original key that he started in. Ooh, okay. So how is this a narrative thing? I feel like we got to look at the lyrics one more time. Well, well, check. But before we do, check out what's different about this final chorus from the first chorus, even though we've returned to the original key. Okay. So can we listen to the first chorus for one second? I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. Okay, so that's the first chorus. And then we'll skip to the end. I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine, I walk the line Ooh. <laughs> Johnny Cash has gotten deep. So this is a very interesting trick because Johnny Cash has modulated back to the original key, but he's changed it because he's dropped his voice down an octave. Mm. So it's super low. I mean, this is like classic Johnny Cash, husky, basso profundo territory. But you're absolutely right. The question is, what do these series of storytelling modulations have to do with the story being told? Consult the lyrics. <laughs> I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends out for the tie that binds. Because you're mine, I walk the line. Any guesses? Because I've got one. I was confused because I felt like walking the line would mean you like walk straight and stay in a key. But it seems like his way of keeping watch is going over the entire territory and looking everywhere. Interesting. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm into that, Charles. I have like kind of a, maybe a related interpretation. All theories are good theories, except mine are best. In that even though the key keeps moving all over the place, everything else remains the same. Johnny Cash sings the song in exactly the same way, exactly the same melody, exactly the same accompaniment, etc., etc., it's like essentially no matter what happens, no matter what places uh, I go to, I continue to walk the line. Huh. And then finally, when we return home and he drops his vocal down an octave, it's almost like saying, you know, and when I'm never leaving, like I'm, I'm here to stay, I'm going to walk this line forever. So basically like dropping down, getting low for Johnny Cash is basically going to a place of seriousness and saying, no, 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 really. I am walking the line. <laughs> right. Yes. Foundational here. I'm walking the line. Yeah. It's like Batman. I find that very persuasive. I mean, this is this is a, a brilliant use of the storytelling modulation here. Johnny is an expert storyteller, expert songwriter. He knows what he's doing here. He really does. And whether you're using the storytelling modulation in Johnny Cash's Walk the Line, the cathartic modulation in Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror, or the diva modulation in Beyonce's Love on Top, this technique of harmonic modulation is a, a key trick for the, uh, the songwriter's tool bag, right? You just said tool bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I found that really funny. <laughs> and uh, sorry to burst your bubble further, but uh, actually that whole Johnny Cash song was actually an F the entire time. Analysis is still good, but uh, yeah, you were off by a, a half an apartment. I quit. Nonetheless. So so basically what you're inferring is that these moments when I am drawn into a song or I feel a shift in my own 
a mode of response to the music that maybe the composer is just playing with my heart using these modulations? Yes. Well, I'm implying it, not inferring it, <laughs> but uh, but yes, that's exactly right. I thought you were more into like the humanities than the sciences. Tool bag. Anyway. <laughs> So I really wanted to end this episode by referencing a current song on the pop charts that is making use of this modulation technique, any any one of these techniques. But uh, after some serious searching, I, I haven't been able to turn up any. So what I was thinking is, uh, now that we're all armed with, uh, with laser ears <laughs> to identify these modulations, if any of our listeners find pop songs that make use of this technique, send it in, and uh, we can make a playlist of modulatory masterpieces. Yeah, so they should reach out to us on Twitter at SwitchedOnPop. Or hit us up at www.switchedonpop.com. There's like a whole contact section thing. You can find us. And then we'll publish that playlist sometime next week. This episode of Switched on Pop was produced by me, Nate Sloan. And me, Charlie Harding. Huge thanks to Drew Cutler. That's Drew, D-R-U, the, the cool way to spell it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You can find more of his music and activities. I think he's got a tour coming up this fall, in fact, at D-R-U Cutler, C-U-T-L-E-R, DrewCutler.com. also want to give a shout-out to our favorite artist luke harris for doing our designs don't forget to send us your modulatory masterpieces on twitter at switched on pop or visit us at www.switchedonpop.com and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode about musical wonder and more bags of tricks and so on and whatnot and until then you can listen to more episodes on any of your podcatcher and we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on itunes it really helps support the show until then as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.